104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Mikey Intern filling in for Joe Weston this morning. We all are down with the sickness, but now I return with my partner in the morning, Ned Reynolds. How are you today, sir? First time I've been in the cave in over a week. Same with you. Yeah, I know. We've been uh, working uh, virtually. How'd you enjoy that? But, But like I said all week long, Ned... Rocked it out. He figured it out, and did, we had no problems. So, I mean, big props to you, sir. No, I wouldn't <laughs> say I figured it out. I just <laughs> followed the instructions. Hey, we were, you, think, you followed the instructions, which means you figured it out, which means it worked, and which also means we were able to, you know, do our daily sports conversation. So it was nice. It was nice to have some sort of normalcy when you're stuck inside all week. However, normalcy is being here in the studio, and we'll start that well today, of course, and then tomorrow as well. Yes, sir. So, um, obviously, we're here. Ned Talk, everything. We'll start with the Chiefs Radio Network at noon. Then we'll go into Westwood One coverage at 1 o'clock, game time at 2. And we'll talk about all that stuff coming up. But first, we need to talk about last weekend, that incredible game between the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills. Before the game even started, everyone across the league, well, at least in the AFC, knew that this would probably be better than the Super Bowl itself. Did they deliver on that? Mike, they did in that regard. But I'm still, still to this day, puzzled about the ending of the game. I I just don't understand how that can happen. 13 seconds remaining and the Chiefs get the ball. Why Buffalo didn't squib kick? Well, that's, that's a coach's decision. The coach, obviously, McDermott decided that get the ball out of there as far as away as you can, then take our chances. But in the other scheme of thinking, if they had squibbed it, somebody would have fielded it and bingo, there goes a second, second and a half off the clock. All right, that's really debatable. What I do not understand is why Buffalo rushed four defenders. Here you have 13 seconds remaining. You're rushing four? What on earth? Drop two at the most. Drop everybody back. Guard against them. It may be a short pass. It's fine. It's going to be completed. Yes, the Chiefs did have three timeouts remaining, but the shorter, the better, and they did not do that at all. They hooked up with the Travis Kelsey for the big gain and then get the field goal and subsequently the overtime win. It just puzzled me as to what the the whole scheme of things how, how it presented itself. Not suggesting anything. As you well know, I'm not a conspiratorial type. But it just was a very strange football game. The manner in which it happened, well, you, when you have two great quarterbacks like a Mahomes and a Josh Allen, you're going to have that kind of game. The Chiefs have more speed than Buffalo. The Chiefs have more speed than any other team in the National Football League. We saw that with the Tyreek Hill. Was it 72 yards? Oh. Is that what he went? Or 80 oh, yards? burned him. Burned him. They couldn't catch him. One of the reasons they couldn't catch him was they were gassed. Buffalo was tired. Here And now you're in an overtime. Now we'll get to that point, too. That overtime rule, like everybody else, I'm in 100% agreement. 
needs to be changed. Every team should have one possession regardless, and then you throw it up from there. Yeah, absolutely. And I was in Arrowhead in 2019 when we lost because of that rule. We didn't get a chance to go down and score. We were in the Buffalo's position in this. Now, after that season, the Kansas City Chiefs goes to the league, goes to the owners' meeting, the coaches' meeting they have offseason where they're like, hey, we should look at this, change this, do this. We don't like this. We like this, whatever. Chief said, hey, this is done. We should have had an opportunity, and we think everyone else should have an opportunity. Back in 2019, you know who voted against it? Probably the Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. Bills owner <laughs> voted against it in 2019. He didn't want it. So, Buffalo Bills fans, I know how you feel. It sucks. I was at Arrowhead when that happened. It is heartbreaking. There were other factors there, and you, yes, you could say it didn't come down to a coin toss. Ned just pointed out so many different things the Bills could have done to stop it. But, you know, it is what it is. And, again, I don't know about you, but I believe in karma, and that is a very karma situation. It will, in a lot of respects, it is, yes. And I think it bodes very well for Kansas City because I don't think today's game is going to be even close. But the Chiefs deserve to be in the Super Bowl. They're the best team in the NFL. We've said that all season long. Have they played like the best team in the NFL? No, they have not. There have been down moments. And they still are not without their liabilities. There's no question about that. I do think that Tyran Matthew gets a chance to play today, and that'll be a big help. Having said that, Cincinnati is not the team that Buffalo is. But they do have a very good offensive attack. And Joe Burrow hooking up with his buddy, uh, Jamar Chase. Hey, these guys, they have a timing about them. The 11 catches, he's not going to have that many in this game. But the 11 catches that he had uh, three weeks ago, that wasn't by magic. These guys know what they're doing. Heck, they did it at LSU. Yep. No reason yep. why they can't do it here. T. Higgins, another very fine receiver. Cincinnati is going to score, but so are the Chiefs. Yeah. And the Chiefs are going to score more than Cincinnati. Back to last weekend, um, and we talked about this uh, when we started talking our sports thing on Monday. The the one thing that you and I, I guess, agree on, especially um, from being guys that talk about this professionally, but also fans of the game, we always want the refs to let them play. You know, I do not like ticky-tacky fouls. That just drives me crazy. Either side of the ball. That ref and crew last, I thought, did a phenomenal job in that game. The referee was a, fi- a fellow named Hussey who has been a white hat for about, I think, it's six or seven years. But an official, a long time prior to that, Larry Numbers knew him and says, yeah, he's a good official. His philosophy is let him play. And I think the crew that they had in there, that was translated to them. Would there have been or could there have been other oh, penalties? Yeah. Oh, heavens, yes, oh, there yeah. could have been. But as we've talked about now... And I've talked about this, and this is in the offseason, not just in the NFL, but in every level of football. There needs to be a universal rule about pass interference. It is so subjective now as to change the very nature of the game. Now, in the NFL, it's a spot foul. I mean, you can have interference on the two-yard line and be in the other team's two-yard line, and look what it does. Of course, that's hyperbole. That's not going to happen. But over and above that, the spot foul... That, I think, in my opinion, needs to be corrected, and it won't be. In the college football, it's a 15-yard penalty as long as it is beyond the 15 yards. Now, if it's within that, then it's a spot foul. Like, it's 15 yards or less, then it's a spot foul. But above that, 
It's what constitutes pass interference. They're taking away all of football. is taking away the defender's right to be up there. So they jostle a little bit. These are It's football. Come on. That's Holds going to hold. happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, if a guy is tackled or if he is just blatantly held with his arms pinned, all right, that's, that's interference. But the rest of that is rubbish. Let them play the game. I am with you 110%. And I think you could also say, and this is what I said back when Peyton was in the league, when they started this push to defending and protecting the QBs and maybe protecting the offense a little bit more, I said this is going to be the beginning of the end because if you're not letting these defenses do what they need to do, this is just going to be high-scoring games. And look at what's happened ever since then. We're having games in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s consistent, consistently, not not just like one of those games. You you never saw, 20 years ago, you never saw spreads like this. Mike, what the officials, and the officials being the owners and the National Football League, uh, the, the hierarchy, got together and they said the fans want to see a lot of offense. They've taken polls. Nobody ever asked me. They, never, <laughs> they obviously didn't ask anyone that ever played the game. They want to see offense, so give them offense. Take away what the defense can do. Penalize them, do do whatever, but make sure there's going to be a lot of points on the board. Well, I absolutely vehemently disagree with 110%. that kind of thought. It's football. You're going to tackle. You're going to you're going to be able to stop other teams with defense. Hey, that's part of the key of the game. The game has changed. There's no no question about that. But over and above that, the game last week was an exciting game. I will tell you that uh, everybody knows that. Was it the best game? <laughs> was it the best game ever in NFL history? Well, I'm old enough, and this happened way before you were born, when the NFL anointed the 1958 championship game at Yankee Stadium, the Colts and the Giants, the very first ever overtime game, anointed that one as being the best game ever. It's when Alan Amici went in for the touchdown in overtime for Baltimore and won the game. Okay, it's also sudden death then, too. Bingo. Game over. Baltimore Colts champions. This is the greatest game ever. There's a lot of history to that game, including the telecast, but that's for another another day. Were there better games after that? Yes, I, I really think there were. There were some dynamite championship games, yes. Hey, the Rams-Chiefs game... In nineteen, uh, in twenty nineteen, I think it was the one that was moved yeah. from Mexico uh-huh. City. With that LA. was a classic. Oh hell yeah, it was fifty four, fifty one Rams, and I mean everybody was doing something in that game down to the second. And and there and the other thing about it was the 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 comeback level because there are so many times now that we're used to it that you've been in Arrowhead or you've been watching the game and you're looking at the clock going, oh man. There's only a minute, minute and a half, and you think to yourself, "Uh, uh," but then somehow they figure it out. And then last weekend, I think everyone was just on their knees and just let, watching this thing happen. And then all of a sudden, you're you get snapped right out of it, and you're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this is going to happen." And that's just it. It was so unbelievable that the skeptics are saying, "How can that happen? How is it even possible?" Well, you saw it unfold, but you also saw three other games last week that all were decided by field goals in the final seconds, In and the visiting team wins yeah. all except in Kansas City. Good gracious sakes alive. How, how is that even possible? And it almost puts the skeptics in a, in a situation where they think, 
This is scripted. You think well, we're in professional wrestling land now? Almost. <laughs> it, but, it, but it can't be. It, it just is. It's way too widespread to be able to do something like that. But it was uh, certainly a different, from historic purposes, a very different ending for all those games. Absolutely. And, and yeah, and I, I'm definitely one to sometimes just put on my tinfoil hat just a little bit because, you know, that's just human nature. But you're right. There's... There's no you can you can barely get the owners to come to the table and, on changing a rule that should have been changed two years ago, three years ago, or even longer than that. They can't even decide that. You're going to tell me that they all have the secret meeting and look and say, <laughs> "Okay, well, hmm, who's going to win the Super Bowl this year?" Well, in a sense, in a sense, they did when they said, uh, "Let's penalize the defense well, and get more scoring." From that standpoint, yes. yes. But uh, from scripting it, no, 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 no. Deciding who's going to win, no. That that just cannot happen. Well, I, uh, <clears throat> I, I kind of feel like you're right. I'm not wearing that tinfoil hat now. Tomorrow morning when we're here, if the Cincinnati Bengals have won, I'm going to say, Mike, let's go review this game. <laughs> <laughs> and my friend, that is the best part about doing what we do. We'll be back in just a few minutes, <laughs> Ned. Mike, it's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. To Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds. A proud member of the Kansas City oh. Chiefs Radio Network. That's so funny because when you guys started doing these... You were about to say... <laughs> I did it, I did it. Joe, if you're listening, I'm sorry, man. It's uh, Mike Inter, Ned Reynolds. Sunday, January 30th, <laughs> we are doing Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Just for those who might be listening here, <laughs> that is the way Joe begins our daily broadcast in here. Ned Reynolds in the studio and so forth and so on. This is not it. This no. is a different show. Yeah, well, it's it's the uh, Net Talk 2.5. Uh, so, uh, you know, we we were talk we talked about last week's game. Now we need to talk about uh, today's game. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I, I am a superstitious person, Ned, and nothing scares me more in the world than when Ned Reynolds says, "There's no way." <laughs> That the Cincinnati Bengals are going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Nothing scares me more. It's like when the sales guys in this place come around. They're like, "Okay, so what are we going to do uh, when they win?" I'm like, "No, no, 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 don't say that. Do not say that." Let's let's just weigh all the factors here. Number one, Cincinnati is not as good individually as Kansas City is. Yes, they are professional athletes, and yes, they did beat the Chiefs three weeks ago on January second. That, folks, was a fluke, in my opinion. And it's also a game that puzzled me a little bit. And I'll tell you why, too. The Chiefs had a 28-14 lead over Cincinnati at halftime. In Cincinnati, 28-14, coasting. Mahomes is having a great day, finding all his receivers. Come out for the second half, and they're sound asleep. They don't do a thing. The final score is 34-31, means the Chiefs scored three points in the second half. Now, wait a minute, folks. Explain that one to me. This is a high-powered offense against a team that their defense is nothing to crow about. Also, a team with an offensive line, this is Cincinnati, that's as porous as any any offensive line in the NFL, including the Chiefs when they weren't very good in the Super Bowl last year. This team gave up nine sacks, nine sacks of Joe Burrow last week. Tennessee Titans sacked the guy nine times. That's an all-time record. 
And yet Cincinnati did hold on to win because Tennessee shot themselves in the foot. This game uh, being played today should be in Tennessee, but it is not. It's in Kansas City. The Chiefs are the second seed in the competition, and the Titans are sitting home watching all this action. All right, Cincinnati somehow comes back. Uh, 11 catches for Jamar Chase. That can happen. Joe Burrow is a very good quarterback. I wouldn't call him as good as Mahomes, but he is a very good QB. And he's able to engineer an attack with an offensive line that isn't very good because he does have a Joe Mixon that he can hand off to. He also has other receivers other than Jamar Chase. T. Higgins, a very good kid out of Clemson. He's a very good receiver. And they have others. Their offensive scheme is outstanding. Defensive scheme, I don't think, is really good at all. I think the Chiefs are going to absorb what happened, looked at all the game film and so forth, and I'm assuming, I haven't seen the final team report yet, but I'm assuming that Tyran Matthew is going to be in there. That'll solidify the defensive backfield. Joe Burrow will not have anywhere near the game that he had against the Chiefs a couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago, and I do think Kansas City will win as easily as is possible. It's going to be interesting to see where we're talking about uh, how this all played out as far as the seeding and everything goes. And the Chiefs lose in Cincinnati. That was a big game because that flip-flopped one to two and changed everything. Now, I know that you say, like, superstitious. But for for part of me, we can look in this from a, a, a superstitious point and say, you know what? Maybe the Chiefs sat there and thought, I know we want number one, but at the same time, wouldn't it be better if we didn't take any time off? We take two. Steelers have to come in and face us. It just the road is a little bit easier for us down the line. I know you play to win every game. I know that. But isn't that just- Actually, there is merit to what you say, too, because teams, well, look at the Tennessee Titans. They came out flat after having a week off, didn't play very well, and as a result, here Cincinnati is the opposition. Should it have been that way? Well, who knows? There is some some credence to what you say. I want to welcome our uh, partner who's in here. Now. John Oliver came, John Oliver heard us on the air, and he goes, oh, my God, those guys need my help. And he was in here <laughs> in 15 minutes. So props to John for getting I'm, here. I'm always good good to help out, man. <laughs> just, but, uh, he, those guys need my help. Those guys need my help. I got to get in there. I got to get in there. John Oliver, thank you for joining us. Uh, Absolutely. So what do, you, what, do you think about, what do you think about my theory? You think, you think back a couple weeks ago, Chiefs were looking at the situation saying, yeah, it'd be nice to have that home, but, man, we're going to have some tough competition if we do that. What if we go there? This route, you think that? I mean, it obviously played in their favor because look where they're at. But yeah, I mean, I I think there may have been some of that thought. Um, honestly, at this point, I'm I'm a person, and Ned, you remember this on the show. I picked the the Bengals to beat the Chiefs in that Week 16 game. I thought it was a trap game from before the time the season started. This game is going to be a lot different because now the Chiefs have seen and they understand. So what we have to hope for is Mr. Smagnola has decided he's going to double-team Jamar Chase and see what other ways the Bengals can try to beat them. I agree with what you said, and I think this is going to be a game where the Chiefs look a lot better than they did in the second half of that first meeting. Then the second half really puzzled the daylights out of me, John. We talked about that, too. They just slumbered through there. Three points, that's yeah. all they had. They that's not the Chiefs. That's not the way they're built. And then to have that happen all of a sudden. Incidentally, uh, we had talked, Mike and I had talked earlier before you got here about the game last week. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Not, let's not uh, color his thoughts at all. What do you think? What What was your reaction to what happened? Uh, my reaction was I, I knew going in Josh Allen is a top tier quarterback. It's just a monster. solidified this. It's you know, monster. you look at the news and you see, you know, Brady's going out. Roethlisberger's retired. Who knows what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers? At, at that point, you see the next guard coming in, Ned. So Josh Allen, that was his game that said, hey, guys, look. I'm here. I can I can win in the big game, but I had a miracle pulled on me. And Mahomes is in that same conversation too. This is going to solidify him as, you know, just almost a god in people's eyes in Kansas City. There is a, a difference in the passing of time too, uh, whereas the Chiefs right now are the best team in the NFL. That doesn't last forever. In fact, it doesn't last very long at all. Right. Buffalo is young, has a really good core of receivers. They're not as quick as the Chiefs, but who's to say that in 2022, well, of course we are there now, but in the regular season 2022, whether the Chiefs will be quite as fast. That period of time takes its toll. Mm-hmm. There's a change, contracts, all that stuff. Don't forget about Herbert, too, at the uh, Chargers. Oh, absolutely not. I wouldn't discount him. He's a terrific young quarterback. They build a team around him, and, you know, with the Chargers, I think they'd be great. Here's the storyline, guys. The Green Bay Packers lost their offensive coordinator, Mm -hmm. lost him to the Denver Broncos as their head coach. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here is a QB <laughs> over there who really hasn't announced anything yet. Guy by the name of Rogers. And I I just I can see it coming now. He's going to you Denver. You think he's going to Denver? I do, absolutely. I well, did he have issues with the OC in Green Bay? Or were they buds? What they Oh no 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 no! He was he was fine with them. It's so the front it office. was the front office that he had issues. <laughs> See, well, whenever because I mean you think that and you you allude to that, but you're like, well, maybe he no, was the no, one no, he no, had no. problems with. It had nothing to do with the coaching staff or the team. It had to do all with the front office. He thought he was disrespected. Okay, the front office said, please play for us this year, mm-hmm. meaning the 2021 season. And then you have the option. We'll let you out of your contract. Do whatever you want. I think that's what he's going to do. I, Go to Denver. Surely you shouldn't. You wouldn't be suggesting Ned that getting the offensive coordinator from Green Bay would be setting the table for a signing of. Damn Mr. right, they would be suggesting that. <laughs> <laughs> no, the only other thing I have to say about last week's game, I heard you guys talking about. You know, a lot of people have labeled it as the greatest game. You know, one of. in history, or That's, at least one of. Yeah, one of. And I'd agree it is one of just because of how quick strike it was. You know, just score after score. And, it, you know, it was uh, it was an emotionally exhausting game, I'll be honest. <laughs> Dude, I, mean, I was on the floor yeah. face down after this thing was over. But, I mean, when you look at what Allen did and how, you know, I, I can't remember which person our secondary fell down. That and, slip, yeah, yeah, and he got and burned. Left, yep. You know, Gabriel Davis open. Yeah, but at that point, I really do think that broke most of you know Kansas City fans' hearts. But then you cannot. And I've always said this: if you leave Patrick Mahomes' time, there is no telling what he can put together. And look at what transpired: thirteen seconds made two quick strikes. 
got the field goal, went That's to overtime. where I talked to, uh, and you may have heard me talk, why are they rushing four guys? Drop <laughs> two of them back. That does not make any sense When they get that able. sack, it's done. Yes. I mean, there, it's uh, in hindsight, yeah, you can look at the coordinator and say, Here, why didn't you do this? Yeah. yeah All, I mean, in, in uh, 99 times, that, that Mike, they're not going to sack me. I know. <laughs> I know. But again, you can still, from, the, from a coordinator standpoint, you can say, man, we're at the end of a game. Though, that line's that line's gassed. They've been yeah. out there just as much as our guys have been out there. They're gassed too. All it takes is one guy to break through. It's a game of inches, and we could be having a. We wouldn't be having this conversation <laughs> had that no. inches been done in the other. And it, uh, that that sacks. It's over. And I, I mean, yes, you're absolutely Ned. I completely agree. I wouldn't have called rush all day. I would have said, take every soon as they snap the ball, run backwards and yes. just put your arms up in the air and start jumping. Do not let anything get caught because that's all it takes. It's going it to take is. him time to throw the ball. And time is what he doesn't have on his no. side. Mm-hmm. 12, 11, 10, 9. You can see the seconds oh, going yeah. off the clock. And, well, anyway, it's well, beside the point. And in reference to that, too, I don't think you guys have talked about this. I've heard a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans, and I've heard some Bills fans say, why didn't you guys squib kick? And We, we mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And to me, you know, they're like, well, you know, that could have thrown them off or whatever. Well, you also run the risk of something bad happening, it bouncing off one of your players, which is highly likely on that scenario. Breakthrough, he's there to kick right there. Exactly. And I've also heard people say, how did Mahomes and team get, you know, two plays off in 14 seconds when the Cowboys couldn't get anything done? The difference is they have the the peace of mind and the, you know, the wherewithal to know you've got to hand that ball to the official before you can start. Dak Prescott made no effort to no. hand that to anyone and then ended up falling over one of his linemen yeah, yes. before he could give the ball. So it's just, it's it's not the same situation in any way. Also, practice makes perfect. Exactly. And you can tell the teams that have actually tried to practice this situation, mm-hmm. even though it's crazy to think that you'd be in that situation you practice for a reason and you can see how these guys in in in, in it's just it's second nature it's muscle memory when it's done and it's done and it's done mm. you can see the teams that have done it and the teams that are like oh my god we're in this situation ah! right. <laughs> i think you guys have that very well adjudicated that's exactly what happened and kansas city is accustomed to that they also have a quarterback who has the mindset to be uh, to be able to overcome yes. mm-hmm. any circumstance and in a sense i think joe burrow does fall into that circumstance as well i mean he's the guy at lsu playing in the high-powered sec he knows what's going on he played before big crowds before has a comfortable situation with his receivers, but it is not as good a team. Right. And I really think Kansas City has a very big day today. But there's another game, guys. Another game there going is. on, too. There is another game, and <laughs> I think this one is going to be a little more close in I, California. Yeah. The situation is this. The Los Angeles Rams are snake bit by San Francisco. They've lost six in a row, <laughs> and they have been... They have been governed by the 49ers, even though the 49ers are not as good a team, probably. But they have been governed by them over the last several decades. Keep in mind, you guys are a little bit too young to to realize this. This is one of the fiercest rivalries in the NFL. It's existed since 1950. 49ers came over from the old American Football Conference 
joined the NFL, the Los Angeles Rams were already there, having moved from Cleveland about four or five years ago. Well, they established that natural rivalry, and it's been ongoing ever since, even when the Rams were in St. Louis, mm-hmm. whenever San Francisco came in there to play. It was it was some hard-hitting football. They don't like each other, never have. No, obviously, the personnel have changed, but... With a six-game winning streak going in, certainly Garoppolo and his bunch have a very strong football chance against the Rams. I don't think they're going to win. I think the Rams get them this time. It's at SoFi Stadium. The Rams fan base is probably a little bit, and I don't mean this in a derogatory sense, but a little bit more blasé than what you have with the Chiefs. (laughs) The the fans themselves are blasé when they're paying $600 for parking and $1,000 a seat. And when you're looking at the makeup of the audience, which is all these Hollywood stars and all this. Do they even know who's playing? That's That's the question. Who are these teams out here? They just Uh just want to make sure they look down and see the camera guy looking in their face and so they can be seen. But But like I said last week. all that, though, uh, the Rams have a very good football team, and I think they're destined to play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Ah, it's going to be tough. Well, you guys, we got to take a little bit of a break, but um, we've got plenty of stuff to talk about in just a few minutes. Ned Talk returns next on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. See, Joe, I got it right that time. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Mike, the intern, John Oliver, Ned Reynolds. We are in the studio once again, and uh, we're going to take a little bit of a left turn and talk about... We're, we're, we got ESPN on the TV right now, and uh, yesterday afternoon I was out playing golf with my buddies and got an alert said, it's over. The king is dead. Tom Brady's <laughs> retiring. Well, then literally 30 minutes later, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not how ESPN just ran with it. They're not. We don't know. Well, ESPN still says right here, there's a slug. Tom Brady retiring after 22 seasons. But if you looked around the league, everyone's saying, wait, he's got to say it himself Mike, first. Mike. When they come out with a story like that, it is fact. It's fact, yeah. And until, yeah, they're just covering their uh, backsides, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and and the all and all of the NFL because oh, some media guy broke it. Well, that's uh, a pretty good crew of media people who right. let it go, and and it's not a surprise. After all, the guy's forty four years old, has accomplished more than everything anybody could have ever hoped for. I looked at his uh, total passing yards last night. 80, it's it's uh, 84,000 yards in passes. Some <laughs> How far is it to the moon? Right. <laughs> I guess he could have taken a trip to the moon. Yeah. I mean, he had to say he threw it to the moon and back. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, he, yeah, he's, he's going to hang it up, and, it, and it's the right thing to do. And I think he said earlier that it would be a family decision. I, he is all, does he have all girls? I believe I think that's so. what it is. I think it's yes. all all females, and I'm sure they said, "Hey, you're yep. out. <laughs> Daddy needs to be home. Spend some time with the fam." Yeah. What cracks me up about that situation is everybody backtracked, and I can tell you exactly what happened. The initial news release that got everybody going was from the Tom Bright Brady Foundation. So something tells me they might have a little insight that most don't. Just a bit. And I think what happened is, you know, Roethlisberger had his you know press release that he put out. 
I'm sure Brady, and I don't blame him for this, you know, you want to be able to state what happened and give your, you know, end of your career address, for lack of a better term. Of course. And so I'm sure that's why they're backtracking until he can, you know, officially come out, give a statement, speak to the press, what Roll have the you. red carpet, hoist him on somebody's exactly. shoulders. <laughs> which, that's funny, I had no idea it was his foundation it that was let it the broke. Foundation. Oh, someone's going to lose their job over that one. <laughs> you don't mess with, he, he might look like a nice guy on camera, but I guarantee you, if you, you cut the legs off a guy who wants to say it himself after 22 hard-fought seasons, <laughs> Glad you brought that up, too, because in that last game that he played, he had his very first ever unsportsmanlike conduct. Oh, I saw that, yes. And did you see what happened to him? He's back to throw, and uh, he throws the ball, and then, oh, probably a a quarter of a second or maybe even a half a second later, he gets hit upside of the head Mm -hmm. and didn't get knocked down. But he turns to the referee, who is Ed Hockley's son, Sean Hockley, and uh, says, holds up his hands like this. What? Nope. Then points to his face like this, and Hockley just turns around. He went after him. Yep. Brady went after him, and you could see in his face it was not, he wasn't inviting him to a party. (laughs) I mean, he let him have it full time then. Penalty. And uh, I think Brady probably said, do you know who you're calling a penalty? Exactly. <laughs> you think that referee's got that that conversation as a photo hanging oh, in, his, in his office? I would. Framed? I would, too. I'd be like, this anyway. is great. We're going to frame this one. Yeah. That's one of those you have to frame. Well, I think he's done. And you know what? Hey, he, I hated the guy for I still am not really great with the guy. But uh, he did bring something to the game. And uh, we won't get into all that right now. But uh, let's talk about tennis. What a crazy finish to the Australian Open. Man. It was uh, Rafael Nadal gets the men's championship. Ashley Barty, who was the number one seed in the ladies, as the first Australian female, actually, I think the first Australian period, to win their own national tournament in uh, almost, well, over 30 years. And that says something about a nation that lives and dies with their tennis players. Mm-hmm. Ashley Barty gets that win over an American. Uh, the uh, Her name is Collins, and she's a... Uh, Good good player from the University of Virginia, but not one of the greats. It just happened to be the way the tournament morphed over the over the various rounds. Nadal, once uh, Mr. Djokovic didn't show up, mm-hmm. hey, the, the door was open. Be Daniel Medvedev for the championship, and that was a hell of a match because they went all five sets. It just ended here about oh, two or three hours mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that here's Rafael Nadal winning his 21st Grand Slam. 21st. That breaks the tie that he and Federer and Djokovic had all put together. 21 Grand Slam victories. That says something about a guy. And Rafael Nadal's not a kid anymore. He's mm-hmm. uh, maybe 33, 34, somewhere 30s, in that vicinity. Yeah. Has the bad knees. Mm-hmm. Overcame everything to get that win. That's pretty good. How much yeah. further do you think he goes after this? That, I think, is totally up to him. I would say he probably goes another year and a half or two years because he, he's experienced quite a few leg injuries, as had Federer. Mm-hmm. I, I think Roger Federer tries to come back somewhere along the line, maybe in... Well, maybe not the French Open because that's clay and that's an altogether different surface. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Federer play at Wimbledon and uh, the U.S. Open as well. Um, Olympics. 
Isn't it crazy that no one, I mean, it's it's almost as if it's just not, no one's really, yeah. it's kind of one of those <laughs> things where I, I keep having to look at Ned and remind myself, hey, guess what? The Olympics are coming up. Yeah. Yeah, it starts this week. I know. Uh, it's February 3rd is when they have their uh, big parade. And then actually, I think the competition also begins on that day, goes right up until February 20th. <laughs> I'm interested from a, another standpoint to see what happens during this Olympics. Does our international period of news coverage in which there's nothing but animosity and acrimony and so forth between all these countries. Does that calm down here for a couple of weeks? I suspect it probably does because I think the Chinese will say, hey, we've got the Olympics. We've got to put our best foot forward. Once that's over, oh my. (laughs) Yeah. Back to the same old, same old. Yeah. The the problem with the Olympics is with what quite frankly, China has done. I can't dispute that they've done some of these things. I mean, the U.S. isn't even sending any, you know, press personnel over there. Everything's being broadcast from a studio. So, you know, while I think the Olympics always quell whatever else is going on in the world, you know, there is still, you know, a a pointed eye on that event. I think there's still going to be a lot of talk just because of the events surrounding why a lot of nations pulled out, aren't sending delegates, et cetera. So. And, and, and officially the U.S. has, from a diplomatic standpoint, boycotted these yes. Olympics. No diplomats are going, and you are absolutely right about the TV coverage. Mm-hmm. The announcers will be in, uh, we're live in Bristol, Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Connecticut right now. <laughs> Three in the morning, and we're, uh, we're looking at uh, figure skating now. Oh, what a job. But, hey, you know what? Someone's got to get paid to do it. Um, speaking of hurt feelings, how are we in the uh, baseball contract talks right now? Well, the, the uh, money issues were discussed, and I think probably maybe some very limited progress in the middle part of last week. Now, there were other talks later on in the week, but it did not surround any of the, the money issues. These are peripheral uh, talks. I did notice in one where the uh, Major League Baseball owners have agreed to pay the housing for all the minor yes. leaguers. Somebody disagreed and said, that's ah, not really enough. Ugh. Oh, come on, people. Enough is better than what you didn't have. Right, yeah. So uh, I think that's just a point of some malcontent. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the other issues are concerned, the owners are offering a counterproposal, which is probably going to come at the start of this week. I had a friend of mine who you guys probably know him. I could tell you his name, but he said, here's the scenario, Reynolds. Here's the scenario. The Super Bowl is played in two weeks. Mm-hmm. At the end of that Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen, a special press conference to announce the signing of baseball because everybody in the world will be watching. Well, that's a little contrived, I think. But, John, you do a lot of writing along these lines. I do. What what do you think the circumstances are? Uh, There's definitely progress. There's a totally different narrative with some of the other folks in the press that I talk to. You know, they are seeing progress you notice the terminology has changed. It's not, well, we're done. It is, well, we're still talking. Mm-hmm. And talking is progress, especially when you look at, you know, major league labor disputes in the past. Um, what I think will happen, I don't think whoever told you that's very far off, Ned. I think baseball knows at this point, and the players realize, oh, crap, we cannot do this again. You know, I've mentioned 1994. I've mentioned I don't think the sport's ever fully healed from that. And that being said, and the owners are stubborn, but at the same time, they're coming off a 60-game season just two years ago. 
they need the revenue in order to keep things afloat and to keep their pockets full. And so when it comes down to the two sides looking at possibly not getting a paycheck, something's going to get hammered out. And with the Super Bowl coming up, there's no better place to publicize that and get it into people's mind than announcing it on or around that time. It's perfect. Yeah, I think and, they're much closer than people think. And it's, it's taken right out of the way the NFL likes to market things. It's, <laughs> you got I, mean, it. I mean, you can't what, get any better than that. From the a, best. That's a great point. The NFL mm-hmm. is the world champion oh, for hell yeah, they are. Yes. And to build on their success... Not a bad thought process at all. Absolutely. Well, we've got uh, about 12 minutes before we're going to join the Chiefs Radio Network. And we got to do our picks next. Ned Talk returns in four right here on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Like the intern, Ned Reynolds, John Oliver back in the studio. We got about uh, six minutes until the Chiefs Radio Network take over and get you pumped up for the AFC Championship game. Arrowhead Stadium, fourth in a row. First time ever been done in the NFL. It's a good time to be a Chiefs fan, but we definitely earned it. If you are at least 30 years or older like myself, uh, man, we had some dark days. But uh, we definitely um, have a little bit left to talk about. We're looking at the injury report right now. A lot of Chiefs listed. Everyone full practice, though. Uh, Darrell Williams was limited on Friday. He's questionable. Tyran's still questionable with the concussion, I believe. The Honey Badger will be on the field. Well, he, he will be. He would not have practiced full on Thursday nor Friday had he not been all set to play. So, yeah, he'll he'll be in there. And that's going to make a difference uh, because the, the defensive backfield wasn't very good when Cincinnati went after him and beat him. The game, and we talked about this earlier, had an altogether different flavor to it and a, a, certainly a different rhythm. This one today will have a 100-degree difference in how they're doing. Well, let's make it 180 degrees because I think it's going to be a complete reversal. I look for Cincinnati will do some scoring. They're mm-hmm. too good a team not to score. But Kansas City is going to riddle their defense. I can see Mahomes and company just having a big day passing. Mm-hmm. And I think the Chiefs are going to roll up a very big victory. Now, I can see Mike the intern, my partner here, is becoming ill. Don't I'm, say I'm, that. I'm already antsy. I'm already <laughs> used to saw, watching me turn in my chair, just looking at things, not trying, trying to ignore it. It's just like when your wife's saying, hey, are you going to take out the trash? And you're like, what would you say? I couldn't. Right. I didn't hear you. The di- baby needs a diaper change. And you're just like, what? Oh, sorry, I didn't hear you say that my bad in this case though i think kansas city rolls in the game i think they run cincinnati right out of the ballpark and again i think cincinnati will score maybe give them as many as 20 points but i'm going to pick the chiefs to win 38 to 20 38 20 mr oliver so one thing i want to point out that is going to be crucial for the chiefs today is you love when you get new toys especially as the season goes on Jarrett mckinnon is going to be a big number one baby in what they do today mm-hmm. i mean he's looked spectacular the last couple of weeks so i think you know if he does well the offense gets rolling i, th- I think the chiefs will definitely win i'm going to go with uh with with my father's pick because he, he told me that chiefs by seven this morning so for uh for ed starkey I'm going to go the Chiefs 28 and the – God, I just lost my train of thought. Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals, yeah. Whoa, who are they playing again? <laughs> 21. 
So I'm going to go 28-21. 28-21. Yes. Uh, Chiefs Steelers. Chiefs win 42-21. Mm-hmm. Chiefs Bills. Chiefs win 42-36. I'm not a man to break uh, <laughs> the consistency that Kansas City Chiefs have shown me in the last two weeks. So I will go Chiefs 42, Bengals 36. Ooh. Same score as last week. Mm-hmm. I'm getting I want I I really think it's going to be a high 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 scoring game. Um, I, I'm praying, praying to anyone that'll listen. If, if you refs or if you're in Kansas city, getting ready, you're only want to listen to Springfield, Missouri <laughs> pregame down there. Ned talk. Well, guys, let them play. Yeah. That's the only thing I'm asking for. Mm-hmm. Win, lose or draw. Let these teams play. Not only the chiefs Bengals game, but also Rams 49ers. Yes. Fans <laughs> want to see play and not flag. Mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. I think there's any, there's no question about that. There have been way too many flags thrown, and some of them have been very instrumental in what teams have done. Yes, and we talked about this earlier in the show. The pass, uh, the offensive interference, offensive pass interference really needs to be clarified and made a specific judgment call, and not a not a, a mental call. In other words, oh, I think I see that over there. No, 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 no. It has to be th- something substantial. Mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, yes, I hope they don't call a whole lot of pass interference, let the defender do their thing. If, if the Chiefs beat the guys, so what? Right. If somebody reaches out and tackles them, bing, and interference right there. Over and above all that sort of thing, limit the penalty flags, let them play the game. Yes. 110%, man. I mean, it's all you can ever ask for. It's all I've ever asked for as a Chiefs fan. Back in 2004, <laughs> 2005, I said, you know what? All I could ever ask from you guys is to give me a season to root for. As a fan, that's you could, all you could ever ask for. And you know what? The Kansas City Chiefs, along with Andy Reid, Brett Beach, and that team, have given us seasons to root for. And we are eaten, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Ned, John, thank you for showing up and helping us this Absolutely. morning. I, we were we were, we were were losing it. But you got here and you put it together. <laughs> Ned, I will see you tomorrow morning. This is Ned Talk. You can always download it online. the Cave. Marshfield, Springfield. Your home for the Kansas City Chiefs. And Springfield's Pure Classic Rock Station.